Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Map Round Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to uber successful CEOs all about their epic business blunders, you know, the stuff they don't want to put on their LinkedIn timeline. And with us uh, on the in the hot seat today is John Shigerian, the co-founder and CEO, rather, of an incredible company, which I'm super excited to chat to you all about, called ERI. It's eridirect.com. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me today. It's an honor to be here. Uh, it's a privilege to to have you here, mate. Uh, so why don't you kick us off with the elevator pitch, John? What exactly are you guys up to over there? Yeah, we're the largest waste and recycling company for electronic waste in the United States. And also, we're the largest hardware data destruction company in the United States. And we're probably one of the top two or three brands in terms of hardware data destruction, responsible hardware data destruction, and responsible e-waste recycling in the entire world. So we've grown up from this one little small company uh, with one location in Fresno, California. We have nine locations now nationally, cover every zip code. And we also have partners around the world. So we cover about 140 countries around the world. Incredible, man. So when, when does someone come to you like with a problem? Like when, what does it look like? <laughs> well, the, 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 here's the fun news about it. You know, according to the United Nations, Matt, only 17% of all electronics that are used on this planet are being responsibly recycled when they come to their end of life. And according to the EPA, only 12% is being responsibly recycled here in the United States. Our numbers trend lower. So that means the folks that come to us are, are anyone from just a man or woman on the street who want to responsibly recycle and destroy the data that's in their cell phone or laptop or tablet or anything electronic and also huge and wonderful corporations such as Amazon, Best Buy, Staples, Costco, Waste Management, Republic Services, the city of New York and the city of LA and about a thousand cities in between. We cover everyone because everybody has an e-waste problem. It's the fastest growing solid waste stream in the world. Whoa, epic. I feel like you and I should be doing a whole separate show. <laughs> whole separate show. <laughs> But we don't have time for that today. This is Secrets okay. of Fail. So let's get into the meat and the potatoes, John. What is your story of fail for our audience around the world today? Yeah, well, we when we started this business, Matt, e-waste even 20 years ago was the fastest growing solid waste stream in the world. It today is the fastest growing solid waste stream in the world by an order of magnitude of two to four times faster than the second fastest growing solid waste stream, which is single-use plastic. So it's a massive problem. It was a massive problem when we started the company. We wanted to be fill the void and fill the white space and be the solution. But 20 years later, even though great companies like ours have been born and have scaled, and a lot of good competitors have also been born and been scaled, the problem is bigger than ever because the ubiquity of electronics has become uh, unbelievable. We're all, we've all got electronics on us. My wedding ring is an aura ring. That's an old electronic when it comes to its end of life. My Garmin watch is is an old electronic when it comes to its end of life, life. They all have batteries in them and they're considered electronics, as is our ring, nest, and everything else that we get to use. So we started this company to fill the void. It was the dark side of the technological revolution. And we don't know what we're doing. We just want to create a good, professional, responsible solution to this technological revolution dark side, which was then called e-waste back in 2002. And so we started a model where we charge people and organizations and corporations for taking in their electronics, and then we would commoditize it, turn it into 
We would destroy it and then turn it into steel, shredded plastic, shredded aluminum, copper, gold, silver, lead, palladium, and all the uh, materials and commodities that are contained inside of electronics. And as we grew the company, we continued to scale both physically and revenue-wise. But what we realized is this. We had our near-death experience, and, and the biggest blunder was getting used to and getting comfortable uh, to the business model of our revenue was too heavyweight in commodity revenue and not service revenue. So, for instance, in 2013 and 14, approximately 53% of our revenue was derived from commodity sales, which we thought all those years, 10, 11 years, was working for us and was great. But part of being a good leader, Matt, is not just seeing the future, which is sort of the linear straight ahead stuff. It's also, you got to also understand what's around the corners. What are the dangers that lurk within that aren't as visible to you and everyone else, but you've have figured out because you've done enough things, you have enough pattern recognition to understand that there's other problems that lur- that are lurking that you need to solve before they become crises or near-death experiences. I failed to see that how heavyweight we were in commodity revenue could be a tragic problem for us. And as the commodity world fell apart in 2014 and 15 and was a shocking event to all those who were in the commodity world, um, at our size and scale, it almost became a fatal event and almost um, was the end of the company. And uh, uh, it was a, it was a tremendous, uh, a, a tremendous lesson learned, uh, one that I don't want to ever go through again, nor do my three co-founding partners, but we allowed the company to grow and get comfortable with all of that commodity revenue recognition uh, and and not understand that we should have shifted the model uh, earlier to be a more service-based um, a company, service-based revenue than commodity-based revenue. Mm-hmm. So, John, what did that experience teach you? A lot of things. Um, it, 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 it made us all, as an ownership group and a leadership team, more humble because it's always exciting to be a leading brand or one of the leading brands in your space. Uh, That's a very exciting moment as an entrepreneur and as an innovator to be a leading brand. But unfortunately, that also creates, um, that also creates a little bit of a cloud uh, and uh, on, on, on your, on our vision is to, Hey, we're winning. And we can keep doing what we're doing to continue winning. And sometimes uh, you've got to come to the realization that what got me to where I am here today is not going to get me to where I need to go in the future. And that was one big lesson that we took out of that. Secondarily, the lesson to always stay humble and always stay more attentive to changes that are not only uh, very visible, but to be continually trying to envision what dangers lurk around the corners that are not visible today. So staying humble to the fact that, yeah, we're a good brand we're and we're a leading brand, but here's some of the externalities that could take us off our rails if we don't plan for them right now. Uh, and so the humbleness of that, the humbling experience 
of having a near-death experience in your in your business enterprise uh, was a very good lesson for our entire leadership team. Another lesson that is learning from others. We were good friends for years with the leadership team from Shreddit. Shreddit, as we know, is a ubiquitous brand that has all their trucks around the United States and they come on premise to your business or home or, or a large business, small business, and they'll shred your documents. In 2008, they lived through the similar experience that we had in 2014 and 15. Their revenue was very much based on the paper and pulp pricing that they were getting when they sold the shredded paper after they completed their jobs. And they also had a near-death experience in 2008. Now, they had shared this with us all along, and they were very, very uh, encouraging to us. Uh, we did a bunch of business together, still do, and uh, uh, and they had shared this, this story with us. Unfortunately, we didn't think enough about it to understand that this same thing could happen to us. But they explained to us, they had taught us much earlier what they did to solve their problem. They took that experience, again, near death almost, they got a bunch of refinancing and they changed the business model to create two P&Ls, one for just the paper, but the service side, they made that a better revenue generator and created more um, balance in their company. So even if the paper revenue went away or became near to zero, which it did in 2008, the company would survive and thrive just based on the service fees. Well, when we heard this years before 2014 and 15, we should have taken heed and realized this is a possibility with our own commodities as well. Um, and we didn't. And we learned from this whole near-death experience in 2014 and 15 that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from similar or even dissimilar industries that could be applied to our industry, our company uh, more specifically, and that could be highly beneficial. So don't go along as sort of a blunt force listening to other people's stories, but not trying to figure out where they could be integrated into and their lessons learned and not trying to figure out where they could be applied and integrated into your own story. This was a highly analogous and 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 applicable story and we fully missed it fully missed it in, in retrospect i'm i'm i should be turning red i'm so embarrassed to think about how they laid it out for us and how truly almost 99% applicable it was to us and we should have fixed it before it became a crisis and we didn't but we learned uh again from that that we can learn from all different types of sources and we can make all sorts of uh, improvements and applications for our company before things become a crisis uh like it did in 2014 and 15 so those are two or three of the biggest lessons that we pulled out of that near death experience and we we did exactly what shredded did we created two pnls increased our service fees uh, um and and over a 4 to 5 year period Took us about four good years from 14 to about 18, 19. And after 2019, our our commodity revenue was below 20% and still remains below 20% um, because our service fees now are matched with the lever, lever uh with the, the kind of work that we perform for our good clients 
that appreciate the important work that we do to keeping this these old electronics out of landfills and from polluting our environment and from getting keeping the data out of the bad guys' hands and making sure we responsibly destroy all the data that's contained in those electronics. Mm-hmm. So, John, if you could get into the Matt Brown Show time machine and you know go back to to 2014 or whenever this uh, situation was about to go down, and knowing what you know now with hindsight being a perfect science, what would you and your co-founders do differently and why? Well, we would have done uh, what we would have done is we would have understood that the shredded advice was highly applicable to ours back in t- 2011, 12, and 13. And we would have started increasing our service fees back then so we weren't so dependent on commodity revenue. That's the biggest lesson that we've learned um, and we should have done. Uh, and, and and that applies to all different parts of the business. That's the highest nail, and that created the biggest problem for us. Um, other things are continue to just continue to innovate, even though you become the leading and breakout brand in any space in a brand new industry. And we're still relatively a new industry, even though we're 21 years old now, Matt. Um, the idea is you never give up your cultural uh, what got you there, which was for us innovation. And so we continue, we double down every year on innovation and that's how we continue to lead. And when you start taking your foot off the gas of what got you to be the leading brand, which is innovation and all the research and development we did to create this new industry and to create technologies uh, in AI and robotics and, and, and shredding that allowed us to get that leadership position, uh, that's when you stall. And that's when you stall, that's where mistakes can be made and near fatal near-fatal mistakes can actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what is your advice to other CEOs and entrepreneurs uh, listening to us now or watching us uh, right now, wherever they are around the world, um, in terms of like the, the importance of failure, failure or failing in business success? Matt, failure isn't really failing, so, so to speak. Failing is just a, 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 a formalized term um, with a negative connotation to actually the learning process. These are just learnings. These are lessons learned. And if you you take it as a lessons learned and you don't beat yourself up too bad about it, so you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, so you want to just be so down on yourself or down on your business, um, you gotta you gotta let it go at some point and just use it as a form of fuel for your fire to just fix the mistake and move the heck on and learn that we're always, always gonna be curious, continual students learning everything we can from similar businesses and also dissimilar businesses that we can then apply to your, our own company to make our company better, to control what's in our own, our own hands so we can create a better future for our company and, and stay mostly immune to tragic events. We don't mind little, little breaks along the way and little, little hiccups and little puddles. We just don't want to go through near-death experiences on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how your breakdowns are oftentimes your breakthroughs. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Setback is really the setup for a better future if you use it for that. Mm, absolutely, uh, John. Very quickly, um, what about books, tools, and resources that you recommend? Is there anything that comes to mind that you recommend other CEOs or entrepreneurs use on their journey? The classic book that I've given to more people than not is Good to Great, Jim Collins' seminal book. 
on taking your company and taking it from good and and uh, and 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 helping to make it great and focusing on how to continue to evolve your company. Uh, that's my favorite book. It still is. I had my children read it when they were young. Uh, all my partners have read it. Most of my leadership team has read it. And I give it to a lot of young entrepreneurs that I either counsel, coach, or I invest in along the along the way. Um, it's a great, great book, and I highly recommend it. Also, I highly recommend keeping your eyes and ears open. You got to read. You know, this is although we've become a very visual world and a TikTok world, and it has created us a form of ADD where great and important learnings can't really happen on a regular basis. So picking up any book and reading and opening your mind, opening your mind to other people's experiences, other companies' experiences, other journeys is a a tremendous experience. I'm 60 years old now, and I love reading as much today as I did when I was an 8, 9, 10-year-old when I started reading as a young, young child. So to me, staying curious and stay reading and stay learning uh, is, uh, is, is so important to staying a relevant CEO and staying on top of your game. John, you're an absolute legend. I love what you and the team there are doing at ERI. Congratulations on all your successes. We were talking and discussing, you know, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. So well done for making that another reality. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And uh, yeah, wishing you and the team all the very best for the future. Continued success with your podcast. Honor and privilege to be here today. I, I really wish you well in the future. Beautiful. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. 